Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 4, Episode 12, entitled Still. Uh, before we get into the recap tonight, Aaron has a couple of things he wants to talk about. Uh, I guess I do. Um, <laughs> we have been in talks with the other co-hosts of the various Walker... Stalk- God damn, Walking Dead. They're, they fucking The Walker Stalkers have just become a brand. Co-opted. They've the co-opted Dead. it. They've co-opted the space. But we've been in talk, uh, touch with the other uh, podcasters, and we're going to do a little listener meetup at the Red Bar and Lounge at the uh, uh, O'Hare Hyatt Regency there by the airport, which is just across the street from the uh, convention center they're having it at. So it's the Red Bar and Lounge uh, at 6 p.m. on Saturday the 15th. You do not need a uh, pass to the Walker Stalker Con to get into the hotel bar. Um, but it's highly encouraged because it's a cool con. Um, but we will be there. We will be kicking back a few brews. We will be uh, taking on all comers. And uh, if you'd like to meet us, please do so. We'd love to We'd love to chat with you. Uh, also, uh, in response to last week's cast where we dropped the bomb that Jim and I are going to start full-time podcasting in April, uh, I'm going to have a little Q&A session about that and subable during the pimping segment of our cast in between... The recap and the feedback sections. So if you're curious about uh, how that's going to work and uh, you want to get some questions answered, you can stay tuned after the recap. And if not, you just uh, bloop bloop through the uh, that and get on to the feedback. All right. Sounds good. Speaking of getting on, let's get on to the recap. Uh, we start off uh, this, this whole episode this time. It's about Daryl and Beth. That's all we get. So I hope you like those two characters. It's Daryl and Beth bottle. Yeah, and they and, uh, and they, it's full of moonshine, and they crawl into a bottle collectively. It's, it's very, Daryl, Daryl, and Beth infused moonshine this week. <laughs> uh, so they they decide uh, what would that taste like? <laughs> oh, like well, it'd be a little sweet because of Beth. Yeah, yeah. It's like strawberry and cherries <laughs> and turpentine. Ooh, turpentine, uh, a little oil, engine grease in there. I think mm. plenty of grease in there. I mean, the hair grease alone. Uh, it's gonna make it taste kind of bad. It's like moonshine on speed, man. <laughs> so uh, Daryl and Beth try to take the world's most beat up car. Like, are they trying to hotwire this thing mm. at the very beginning? Uh, and they end up stuck in the trunk while walkers kind of swarm around them. And when they leave, Beth and Daryl scavenge what they can from the car and then move on. My God, that trunk. Must have smelled like holy ass uh-huh. by the time that zombie siege was over. Yeah, it seems like it was all through the night, right? Uh, and and you know they were they were sweating like Ace Ventura up a rhino's ass style <laughs> because that's it's got to be it's got to be like a toaster oven with the harsh Georgia sun beating down on you. Oh yeah. Maybe if you're in a harsh Georgia winter, it'd feel good because, you know, you get, like, some some, some heat radiation going. But yeah, no, get I, out of the blizzards, you know. I just, oh, those pits. Pits and crotches. It just smelled <laughs> like a fucking pit and crotch soup in there. Oh, yuck. All right. Um, what did you think about the stuff that they scavenged? They use that those things throughout the rest of the episode. They get hubcaps. They get pieces of headlights. They get mirrors. I it, I don't know, man. It was interesting because we were actually talking about making a skit like the the Beth 
the uh, the Beth survival shows, the survival hour, kind of like you know, Dual Survivor or Man vs. Wild on it with Beth uh-huh. giving like laughably bad survival tips. Like, wear nothing but cotton, y'all. If you're hungry, uh, the forest is full of berries and mushrooms for y'all to eat. <laughs> Just pick them and eat them. Just em. pick them and eat them. Um, they're good. Uh, I don't. I don't know that you can actually start a fire with a piece of smashed up uh, car, car uh, uh, mirror. Yeah, it's interesting. So what she does is she bounces the the sunlight off the mirror and through the headlight and starts a fire. I don't know if that would work. I mean, is there some kind of... It seems to me like headlights are meant to diffuse light, right? Yeah, plus plus I feel like that um, the angle of the sun is important, too. Sure. That you can't... You know, the, the sun's at its weakest when it's kind of like at an angle where you'd have to bounce it off of a mirror. Uh-huh. I don't know. We need to get Mythbusters on it. They well, I've seen Mythbusters a... bounce light off of six mirrors, and it lessens with every mirror they bounce it off of. Right. So that's at the very least, it's inefficient. But right. come on, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it seems like there's you'd have to. It seems and this is like in, it seems like it's in high summer just based on mm-hmm. the lack of sleeves, how much pit sweat we're seeing. <laughs> um, it seems like you'd want to wait till the sun's at high noon and then fuck the mirror. Just yeah. use the 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 lens. I guess you're getting from the the headlight. I guess. Uh, Daryl grabs something that turns out to be useful, which is uh, hubcaps. He uses those as a walker alarm around mm, their camp. So right. pretty smart there. And I think what Beth was doing was actually taking wire from inside the car. I don't think she was trying to hotwire it. Uh, right. She's probably taking wire to hang up the subcaps. Well, plus, you know, wire is pretty useful for a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, sure. that harkens back to the uh, Georgia season – or not the Georgia season, the whole fucking <laughs> thing's in Georgia. Harkens back to season one where they're in the camp dinner, dinner bell – uh huh. They used to do that shit too, string up soup cans and stuff to kind of have a little, uh, you know, skirmish line for the walkers to blunder into. Yeah. Uh, so then they go set up camp, and Beth decides she's going to find a drink, whether Daryl will help her or not. Uh, after we get kind of a, a montage of them collecting food, uh, ladybugs, ladybugs. Beth subsists entirely on ladybugs and. Uh, a couple of pieces of snake this episode. She didn't eat that ladybug, did she? Oh, she's got a bottle there that's open, ready to stick a ladybug in. I think <laughs> she's collecting bugs, and she just eats them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I always think, because if you ever smelled like a crushed ladybug, it smells like a green tomato. Oh, tasty. So I just feel like it's going to taste like a bitter green tomato. So maybe maybe it's not so bad. Maybe. Uh, snake looks pretty good, though. I've had snake. Uh huh. Snake surprisingly good. I, yeah. I I put it in kind of like the same class as Gator Tail, like something <laughs> that you would think it'd be unholy, god awful, and you put it in your mouth and it's like, yeah, not that bad. In fact, in fact, my mouth is kind of watering thinking about it. <laughs> I would wager that the vast majority of our listeners have not ever tasted either of those and have no point of reference. But that's the thing. Did you see how fucking meaty that rattler was? I did. Yeah. Like a rattler is fat. Mm-hmm. Like a big old rattler. A big old rattler is fat. Sure. A lot of meat. The kind of the kind of knock a snake handler dead on the first bite. You know, that's that's <laughs> that's a that's a good eating rattler right there. 
Yeah, uh, Beth gets mad at Daryl because he doesn't want to go find a drink, and she says, "Don't be mad at him because he burnt the fucking snake." God, he, oh my god, he did. Yeah, either that or he did some kind of redneck jerk to it. I mean, <laughs> it is black. It's black and rattler they're having. He he might have. I don't know. She uh, she makes a comment about enjoying his rattler jerky, so his snake jerky. Yeah, see, overcooked. Uh, she she also says to Daryl, "Don't you feel anything?" They're 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 gonna sit there and just eat snake for the rest of their lives. They might as well do something. Uh, she is not interested in just surviving here. She wants to have a good time, apparently. Yeah, another. I, I this is a trope that I personally can't stand on television shows. Okay, the what's whole that? person studiously ignoring another person talking. Uh huh. Like. You can say like, like say shut the fuck up if you just don't want to talk, but don't not say anything because if you do that to me in real life, you will get something wa- chucked at your head <laughs> until you say so. I mean, then if you tell me to fuck off, then fine, but not to acknowledge a person. Come on, yeah, I'm really tempted to do that right now on the podcast. Actually, I will <laughs> to see what happens. I, I I've got a beer bottle right here. <laughs> it's half full. It, would it will be damage. empty, and then it will come flying yeah. at me. <laughs> or a remote. I've got a remote within arm's reach, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, actually, no. Let's talk about one more thing. Daryl is unable to kill the squirrel, I think, because his bolts are getting weak. I mean, he's obviously been using them for a very long time now. Uh, and he, we've seen him, you know, recycle them over and over. Yeah. That's, so, that could become an issue. This is super interesting because I'm starting to get into archery. Uh-huh. Um, last year, fire arm ammo got way too fucking expensive and way too fucking scarce and i kind of got into like fuck it i'm just gonna get an archery fuck okay. y'all um and i was doing so then once i got an archery i'm like this is pretty rad i wonder what it's like to hunt i've never really been into hunting because but i feel like you know with a bow and an arrow if i kill a deer with that i've earned it you know yeah sure but you can also hunt like small game like rabbits and squirrels and they make special they make special arrows, arrowheads, that basically just inflict blunt force trauma. Because, <laughs> as you can imagine, a bolt going through a squirrel, mm-hmm. that's kind of overkill. Yeah. Like, they're not, they're delicate creatures, um, and you don't want something to overpenetrate or get stuck in the ground or stuck in the wood. So, a lot of the small game are glorified, like, just kind of blunt-ended things with, like, springs to keep them from getting stuck into things. And it just mm-hmm. literally slams into the side of the animal, and, and it's just like you get hit by a hmm. truck. It kills wow. you that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't um, – since I'm I'm a neophyte, I, I can't call some bullshit on this because I don't know. It almost seems like his, uh, the, his carbon fiber bolts are delaminating, hmm. which I know can be a problem. Although on Herschel's farm, I swear to God, I thought I saw him making arrows. Hmm. Which is is very difficult to do. It's 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 way harder to make good arrows than it is to make a good uh, a good bow. Yeah, I can't remember if I saw that or not. I I I I'm pretty sure I did. So okay. And I also I just got to think that it's just it can't be that hard to find uh, arrow shafts. And I I there might be I know there's a difference between a crossbow bolt and an arrow shaft. I don't know what those differences are because again I'm all new to this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean they're definitely communicating that uh Daryl might be in some some trouble here. Yeah, and also I mean I don't know. 
are there that many archery stores that would have or or department stores that would have uh, arrows or bolts for him that haven't been raided uh, already? I mean, every sporting goods store, every Walmart. Yeah, but th- they've probably all been raided, right? Because they also have like guns and ammo and stuff. Then go to go a hobby there. store that likes the type that sells model airplanes. They got shit loads of carbon fiber shafts of all diameter. I mean, <laughs> I, I make your own. Yeah, yeah, and then then if you run out of that, you can use aluminum rod. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so many things you can make a, a a bolt or shaft out of. I would think. Probably, um, yeah. the one I, I've been looking at making my own and like uh, bamboo garden stakes, mm-hmm. you sand out the nodules and you kind of use the, uh, uh, and straighten them out that they make acceptable arrows as well. So I welcome don't know. to the archery hour with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a man like Daryl Dixon would yeah. be able to fucking make some bolts. Like you do the half life two method rebar. <laughs> Flings <laughs> and rebar. That'll rebar kill a squirrel. Out of the crossbow. Guaranteed, that'll 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 kill a squirrel. I'll kill just about anything, I'd imagine. <laughs> All right, so they set up camp, and Beth decides. Uh, oh wait, no, sorry, just did that one. Uh, Beth then finds Pine Vista Country Club, and goes inside to find a drink. And uh, we know that this is like a golf club. Uh, Daryl follows. Daryl follows her it's in. It's like a golf club. Yeah, when I say like, I'm trying to think of the words. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a really grisly scene inside, and the mm. walkers are hanging from the ceilings. There's bodies everywhere. Uh, nothing good happened in this place. No. You could tell that <clears throat> there were a group of survivors that were holed up there, and something happened. What What do you think, based on the evidence that we see happen in this country club? Uh, a massive gopher infestation. <laughs> <laughs> drove them all to suicide suicide and and the gophers pinned up one of them on the wall and wrote they, rich bitch on her chest they they were not all right people should have worried about them in fact <laughs> uh i i don't know i mean i guess a play because think about like all these institutional facilities kind of like like your average golf country club even a shitty one yeah it's gonna have a good supply of food Mm-hmm. A good supply of frozen stuff. A good supply of just booze. You know, well, booze for sure. Um, and it's it's kind of you know remote and out of the way. It's not something people would think about. Let's go to the country club and hole up. You know. Yeah. So if you're like a worker or the owner, I mean, maybe that would be a smart place to go to. Sure. I don't know that it's a bad place to go to. I think what happened here, based on what we saw is that some people did do that. They decided we're going to go to the country club or they were already at the country club when it happened, whatever Uh, they hold up there. And then it seems like some gang of bandits or something came through and yeah, like, like lower class. And there was some sort of class struggle there within the country club. And, and it just went all wrong. People were hung and people were killed and tortured and, it just looks bad in every possible way. I'm not going to say too much about that because we've got just a fantastic uh, piece of feedback okay. regarding that class struggle part of it. But it could also be that it was an employee uprising. Like, you know, the owners of the golf club <laughs> that yeah. have, you know, a lot of money versus the people that are there just taking care of the course. And, sure. And and maybe they got tired of um, – I yeah, who knows? I mean, you could, you, could, you, could, you could hang a lot of narrative on here. Like the, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe the owners were just drinking or not spending the the uh, resources wisely. 
um, or they were trying to, you know, preserve it for themselves. So they're trying to muscle the other people out. And it looks like based on all that money being on the floor there that Daryl was picking up. Right. That they may have tried to buy their way out of it. Could be. What do you think about Daryl? Why was Daryl so intent about Squirrel? I mean, like, he was. I don't know. He, he should was like realize. Scrooge McFucking Duck with that. Yeah, he should realize that that does you no good in this new world. I mean, maybe it's to- maybe it's for toilet paper because you can't ever have too much of that. <laughs> sure, sure. There's a novelty of wiping your ass with twenty dollars bills. <laughs> maybe he's always wanted to do that. Mm. Uh, I I don't know. I'm not sure why he grabs it here. Honestly. Yeah, I I thought that was a really. And they, they showed him like he was feral about it, too. Yeah. Um, and this far into the zombie apocalypse, you got to realize that, e- you know, even if uh, the light, the, the switch flipped on and we cured everything, to d- that the U.S. dollar or any kind of paper or fiat m- currency is not going to be worth shit. Sure. Um, so Beth gets attacked by a walker in the hallway, and she's able to take care of it. And uh, Daryl sees that. Well, does he really, or is he just... No, I mean, he physically sees it. Okay, He, okay. he views it. <laughs> yeah, in fact, he kind of hangs back and lets her flounder a, a little bit with it. Uh-huh. Because she was all big and bad, opening of the episode, saying uh, how she's ready to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. And then in the very next her own scene, drink! <laughs> uh, very next scene, we see a bunch of walkers almost get her again, and this time, Daryl does have to run in and save her, because there are too many of them. Um, and then they, they finally make it to the bar. Is this the scene where he goes, like, fucking tees off on the zombie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he grabs a golf club on the last one and just, just swings for the fences. Um, you know, it's hilarious because some of these walkers, their skulls fracture with the slightest impact. <laughs> and then this guy was snarling. Uh, you know, he had the club up. He had, you know, he started with... With, like, a pitching wedge, and he had to work his way up to, like, a five iron before this guy would go down. Uh-huh. I mean, cursing his caddy the entire way. Um, <laughs> he was really chopping wood. Yeah. Where although, is the anger coming from? Uh, the anger. Hmm. Well, the anger, I think, is coming from the loss of all the people that he knew. I mean, we, we, we definitely get into that later in the episode, uh, but we start to see it here, right? Even before they get to the moonshine scenes. So he's kind of like in a catatonic state. He was in a state of denial or yeah. whatever, and he hasn't allowed himself to feel. Like I said at the beginning, this is kind of his uh, Michonne realization episode mm. uh, from, from the very beginning of the season. He's now dealing with his issues uh, just like Michonne did in episode one. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's the same for both him and Beth this episode. Right on. Um, okay, let's move on to, uh, them going to the bar. They finally make it to the bar and, um, Beth saw the, the slaying of the walker previously. And she says, go ahead, beat up on walkers if that's what makes you feel better. But she's going to have a drink. She finds some peach schnapps. (laughs) Ask Daryl if it's good. He immediately says, no, (laughs) no, it's not good. It's peach schnapps, (laughs) man. Uh, and then Beth breaks down crying. Um, why do you think Beth starts crying in this scene? Because that was her father's favorite drink. Herschel's <laughs> <laughs> a peach schnapps, man. That's the kind of alcohol he oh. was. Like, God, if Daryl knew that, 
He might not have been so busted up about him dying. He was more of a NyQuil slash Listerine man, but if he'd get his hands on a bottle of genuine peach schnapps, (laughs) that was a red-letter day. Oh, yeah. Peach schnapps and orange juice? That is Because his wife was like an expert at keeping alcohol out of the house. Sure. He's like, you know, drinking vanilla extract. Yeah, lighter fluid. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) But if he could get rubbing alcohol... Uh, I think that's what he was warning her about when it comes to moonshine. Don't drink the rubbing alcohol, <laughs> um, antifreeze. But if you get some peach schnapps, that that he was he was in 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 heaven. All right, Sounds I think good. it's more like I don't know because I'm very skeptical that this was her first drinking experience. Very skeptical uh, based on her based, reaction to drinking the moonshine. Based on that, based on the fact that she was playing a fucking drinking game, and when Daryl's like, "How do you know how to play this?" Oh. She's like, "Uh, I watched my friends when they were playing a drinking." Uh-huh. So you had friends that was that were playing kings, or never have I ever, or whatever you you call it in your neck of the woods, yep. and they were drinking, and you weren't drinking. Beth, is that what you're telling me? Maybe I don't know. She was kind of a goody goody at the beginning, right? Still uh, is to a, a degree. Was she? I don't know. Her, she was Herschel's doodlebug. Yeah, um, I think the crying was just more from the fact that she just has not been able to connect to Daryl. Sure, and it's a special kind of loneliness when you're going through this, but there's a person there, and they just don't give two shits about you. Yeah, and seeing this bottle that probably reminds you that your dad uh, about your dad because you know he was an alcoholic at one point. Uh, <laughs> probably doesn't do her any favors, it's you know. Drink. <laughs> uh, like she's totally alone, even though, like you said, she's with there. I mean, there could be some of that too. The fact that, um, you know, again, I don't think I don't think this was his first experience with alcohol, and the fact that her first reaction when she can't deal with a situation and when she's frustrated is to her, turn to the bottle. Maybe that mm-hmm. is a, something that's going through her mind. Um, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and there's a little bit of that with the feedback that I, I quite like, but when a show gives you sometimes as little as it does, yeah, it, it's it's amazing what you can layer on top of it. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, rather than being guided and being, it's like you know, it's like a blank canvas. You can paint whatever the hell motivation you want. And I'm kind of okay with that as long as it's not too vague. Well, uh, like if I really just have no idea why she started crying here. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can't even hazard a guess. Like when, I, I'm like when she it. broke down at the side of the shoe at the railroad tracks. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like definitely this is be- this is a better wheelhouse for them to be in than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'd rather them be doing just kind of ambiguous whatever than stupid shit for sure. Sure. All right. So uh, then they play. Um, or sorry, no. Uh, Beth tries to guess what Daryl did before the turn while they head over to the moonshine shack. Uh, she guesses a mechanic. Daryl says, "Nah, nah, man, nah, wasn't a mechanic." Um, and then they get to the moonshine shack, and Daryl busts out the moonshine. Uh, is so so she takes a drink of it, and she's like, oh, "It's it's kind of gross." But she makes no face. No she face. Doesn't gasp like <laughs> her throat is on fire. Do you think that moonshine is the worst thing this girl has had to ingest? Because it might not be in the zombie apocalypse. Well, I but still, it's like there's an like if you drink a hundred, like even a really smooth uh-huh. eighty to hundred proof liquor, you may still make the drinking face. Okay, yeah, you know the there's 
there's and moonshine especially shit that's made out of it some fucking still <laughs> and some fucking flop house shack in the backwoods of georgia you're telling me that shit is smooth that's been filtered five times uh-huh. fuck no <laughs> you will make the whiskey face <laughs> and you will <gasps> when you, you've had your very first taste of it uh-huh yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, that, maybe a guy like crazy. Herschel in his prime could drink that like it was water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Norman <laughs> Reedus as his boondock saints, Irish Catholic self, could drink that like it's mother's milk. <laughs> I don't think fucking Beth could do it in, in, uh, unless she's had some experience. Yeah, and a girl that age can't possibly have enough experience not to make whiskey face. Right. And but and that's the thing that'd have been easy humor to do too. I'm kind of surprised. Uh-huh. I'm I'm kind I'm kind of surprised they're putting all these hints that she has experience with alcohol. Hmm. Uh, I like Daryl's comment here. I mean, I don't like it, but it's it's indicative of how he's feeling. Where she says, "My dad always said that bad moonshine can make you go blind." He says, "Ain't nothing worth seeing out there anymore, anyway." <laughs> yeah. Uh, that definitely tells you where <laughs> eyes are overrated, where his headspace is, you know? It's true, though. I mean, this is a shithole world. Yeah, but Beth is trying to see the good things in it. Right. Because there can be some kind of joy or some kind of hope in this world. It's just a matter of can you find it? Can you make it? That's the other subtext this episode. Daryl trying to desperately keep the hormonal teenage girl at arm's length. I think there's a okay. lot of that into their interactions as well. Yeah. And, and and kudos to them for not having them just fuck, you know, then to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I everyone was on the edge of their seat waiting for it and I liked the restraint they showed. Um and I I I, I, I couldn't judge either party, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um but I did feel like uh he had his guard up at all times. And even when he got drunk, I think some of his angry reaction was just to make himself look unappealing to her. Huh. Okay. Because I think it's it's pretty accurate that a girl in Beth's position would be attracted to Dar- Daryl. Why wouldn't she be? Sure. I mean, with the way he can protect her. Well, not just that, but I mean, he's also got this, like, you know, you could tell he's got this kind of tortured background. And he's kind mm-hmm. of like this wounded puppy. <laughs> and yes, he's also badass with his bow and uh, a protector, but he's also not a leader. So he's kind of got that rebel quality to him. He doesn't give a shit. Hmm. I mean, he's basically put on this earth to. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's every woman's cup of tea. No, it's not. It's just like, you know, no, not every guy likes a party girl. Yeah. But when a party girl, run, you know, walks down the sidewalk. Front <laughs> not every gets... guy likes a girl who can drink moonshine without making a face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that you see a party girl done upright. Yeah, I don't care if that's some stereotype. You walk, one walks down the sidewalk, you're still going to turn your head. Yeah. So I feel like that, yeah, even there's a lot of women that would see through that and be like, yeah, I don't want any part of Daryl Dixon. There's a lot of people be like, I don't give a shit about the uh, repercussions. I still want a part of Daryl Dixon. Yep. And there's the teenage girls who just are powerless. Hmm. Absolutely have no defense against a man like Daryl Dixon. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's let's get into that scene. They talk about uh, – they, they play Never Have I Ever, uh, and Daryl lashes out about Beth 
and her spoiled life, and then teaches her how to shoot a crossbow. And that's what teaches her. That's the dead giveaway, by the way. No one plays Never Have I Ever in mixed sex company unless you're wanting you're you're preparing to bone. Yeah, yeah. That is a bone preparation game. That's a fact. That is the where you start. You you start out with the like arrested and all that bullshit, but sooner yeah. or later the questions are. Or, or if you're young enough, at least kiss, right? Yeah, like kiss, that's, the yeah. goal is something physical. Yeah, but the, but after that, at her age is going to be, uh, you know, types of penetration, <laughs> uh, numbers <laughs> of partners. It's it's, it's going oh, to it's no. going to just go off the rails. And yeah. Daryl's like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go piss in a corner. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to yell at you for a while. Which that's the other thing is that. Moonshine goes right through Daryl Dixon. <laughs> like Beth is Beth is drinking out of this jug like it's nothing. He takes uh-huh. one sip and turns into the fucking Incredible Hulk. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I think Beth is an alcoholic because <laughs> yeah, right? Daryl has drank so much moonshine that he has to piss now. But Beth is still going strong. Yeah, he goes from zero to mean drunk, and Beth is just like tee hee drinking's fun. <laughs> Well, it it either implies that Daryl is a lightweight and Beth is an alcoholic, or it implies that they were drinking for a very long time, which I guess implies that they both might be alcoholics. I can't believe that Daryl is a lightweight because we saw how Merle yeah. rode. Sure, Merle was riding with a gallon bag of blue crystal, <laughs> you know, blue sky crystal meth, uh-huh. and God knows what other pills and whatever liquor he get. I, I just, I just feel like that Daryl. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he didn't, but I don't think Merle would but let he t- him. He talks about drinking yeah. a lot. Like I never knew yeah. the game to get lit before. The man was riding around on a fucking uh, bicycle with Nazi stormtrooper imagery <laughs> on it. That kind of guy is drunk twenty three hours of the day. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a weird, it's a weird scene here. It is. Uh, but I like that. Beth kind of assumes what kind of guy Daryl is uh, by asking him, by saying, I've never been in jail. And Daryl says, that's what you think of me? I mean, come on. You're going to be insulted by, again, you're riding around on a bicycle with Nazi imagery. That's a fair, in fact, I don't believe him. I don't believe he's never been in jail. (laughs) Okay. I don't believe that man has not been processed. All right. Well, I believe what he told us on the screen, which is uh, that he has not. Well, it ain't for lack of trying. We'll put it that way. For him to All take right. for him to take offense at the implication is what's funny. Yeah, maybe I don't know. He's because you don't have uh, to riding with Merle. That's you don't, that's you don't the have to be anything but part. obnoxious in front of the wrong people to get arrested. Sure, and spend a night in jail. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's been convicted or he's spent you know spent time at the county clink. I'm just saying she said, "Have you ever been in jail?" <laughs> So, Just the drunk tank. Yeah, right. I figure you for a rotten drunk. Right. I mean, I mean, are you saying that Merle's never been arrested? Because no. that I fucking don't believe. And if 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 Daryl's been hanging around with him, I mean, he's probably been arrested. Yeah. All right. Maybe he. he I think he's I, trying he doesn't to, I actually think he was, say anything. No, I he think doesn't he was, deny it. I think he's picking a fight with her. Which yeah. was my point. Okay. Um, and then they they kind of talk for a while here. Well, uh, Daryl talks at her. And then Beth talks back, says uh, that she thinks none of the people that they've lost meant anything to Daryl. When, in fact, they do. And, in fact, that's the reason why he's so pissed. Yes. Because he's lost these people. 
do you do, is this a case of Beth just totally misreading Daryl? Um. Well, I think that he. That's kind of the armor he wears. Uh huh. Um. Yes. Obviously, he misread her. But how? I mean, it's one of these things where, you know, you get a person like this, and they lash out, and it's like, you know, is that what you think of me? It's like, well, how? What is? What else was I supposed to think? Because a normal human does this, a normal human does that, and you're doing this other thing <laughs> that I don't understand, and you're not talking to me when I'm asking your questions, and it seems like the only uh-huh. way I can get you to engage is by endangering my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I really liked it. I really like Beth calling bullshit on Daryl Dixon. Like I said on Facebook, my head yeah. exploded. Yeah, I mean, she does call bullshit. It ends up being like he finally reveals like why he's actually angry. Uh, he tells the story of the the stealer, the janky little white guy tweaker, as he calls him, the, uh, 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 Jesse Pinkman. Essentially, yeah. I've, that, that's so. So Breaking <laughs> Bad exists in the Walking Dead universe crossover. Get yeah, Merle had Let's the get it. Merle had the uh, blue sky crystal meth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We got a tweaker, uh, a, a skinny little white tweaker that's 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 uh, ill handling a weapon and calling people bitch. <laughs> QED, open and shut. Uh, He says that he was a nobody before all this, and he was just drifting with Merle and following him, doing whatever he wanted him to do. Uh, That, I don't know what Merle's business was. It may have been drugs. It might have been, you know, stealing things, obviously, if he's got a guy stealing for him. Uh, Merle's business. Yeah, so it sounds like Merle was just a criminal and Daryl was his accomplice, right? Yep. But he's never. But, but how dare you insinuate he'd gone to jail? <laughs> uh, I I noticed in this scene how good the Foley artist is. Like, it really sounds like they are out in the woods in the middle of summer. Right. It was really good stuff. Hell, they might be. I mean, yeah, it's very possible they just record the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Beth tells Daryl uh, how she thought her life would go and who she misses, including her dad. And they decide they're going to burn down the house mm-hmm. in the final scene. Um, I don't know what to say about Beth here. Like we kind of, we kind of already knew how she was feeling, right? I mean, it's her dad, it's her sister, it's everybody. Right. And it takes Daryl pointing it out to her, um, saying, "You're never going to see these people again," uh, to get her to break down. Just like Abraham said to Glenn, "You're never going to see Maggie again." Uh, I'm surprised Beth didn't punch him in his mouth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I don't know. What do you want to say about about Beth here and her uh, kind of breakdown? I like I said I, I really like one of the listeners' takes that I want to kind of tease because it's the first one I want to read. Okay, I don't know. A lot of people don't listen to the the feedback section, um, but I I I I do like some of the things they did here. Um, she makes the point that Beth encouraging, um, Daryl to burn the house dovetails nicely with her burning her blank diary entries and that they both mean kind of different things. Like the fact that you're burning blank diary entries means that you don't have hope for a better future. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, uh, Daryl's burning the shack is him burning his past. Oh, sure. Yeah. So definitely. it's almost like they're, it, it, it's a statement about how when you're in this situation, you kind of have to live for the present. 
It's not hmm, it's okay. not good to have too much hope. It's not good to be too tied to the past. It's good to be present and, and enjoy life for what it is, whether it's a moonshine shack or whether it's a <laughs> piece of crispy rattler uh, or whatever, a country club or a country, you know, country club and a nice, clean white sweater that lasts <laughs> for less than a scene. Uh-huh. You got to find your pleasure where you can find it. Yeah. And that's perfect for um, the hope, the hope that Beth has. And the survival skills that Daryl has, right? He can live in the moment and help them survive. She can live in the moment and and have fun and keep the joy in both of their lives. I think that's a good combination. Sure. Now, the question of the week. Uh-oh. Who has the better bird, Daryl or Beth? Who has a better what? Better bird. Who flips a better bird, man? <laughs> it's hard to beat Norman Reedus' bird. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, he uses all fingers. He doesn't just use the middle finger. He, he does. He, he express. It's a his <laughs> his his hand is a canvas with which he paints <laughs> a, a phallus. A phallus. He gets the he gets because I, I personally, when I'm flipping people off, I like to tuck my finger there behind a ring finger and really get the full like you know extension. Oh, you bust. Of it. See, I bust out the. Yeah, you do I the Norman Reedus out. style. I'm yeah. a thumb in. Okay, I'm a thumb in because I think first of all, I think it looks more like a dick. <laughs> Which is what we're really doing here. Yeah, we're telling you. Go out, fuck like, what yourself. the hell is that? It's like some dude got like a partially blown off leg, just kind of hanging off to the side <laughs> there. What are we saying there? But he, I don't know. It's an accent for me. He does make. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's like a tilde. Uh huh. Or an, an umlet. An umlet. Yeah. All right. All right. I can. I can get behind that. <laughs> um, fun fact: a friend of the show, uh, uh, Jesse Wilson, over at Personal Arrogance, has a really sweet shot. Because uh, him and Eric moderated a panel with Norman Reedus and the other guy from Boondocks oh, Saints. Yeah. And he has a really sweet shot of him and Norman Reedus both taking a really long drag off a cigarette, simultaneously flipping the camera bird. Yeah. And I'm totally I'm totally jealous of it. Fantastic. So I'd have to give I gotta have to give him the nod. Okay. Uh so we need to do Survivor of the Week, Idiot Survivor of the Week, uh, which um, there are only two of them in this, and Daryl can never have Idiot Survivor, so it's going to bat. <laughs> Uh, by default for 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 trying to drink pink schnapps, <laughs> peach schnapps, yeah, pink schnapps, peach schnapps, yes. might as well be pink schnapps. Uh, and zombie kill of the week, I, I mean, it's got to go to Daryl because he's really the only person aside from one who kills anything. It's the nine iron kill, it's, right? Yeah, definitely the nine iron, the nine iron kill. Uh, and that's it for the recap. Unless you've got anything else you want to talk about, no. Uh, save it for the feedback section. Okay. Uh, as promised, a little Q&A on the announcement Jim and I made last week, which is that we are saying fuck it to our jobs and going full-time <laughs> as podcasters. Flipping a nice accented bird. Yes. Uh, a lot of people uh, – so so there's kind of the, – the feedback that I got broke down upon three broad lines. One is congratulations for making us full-time podcasters. Slight correction, we have not made it as full-time <laughs> podcasters. We have got um, – what we've done is through a combination of business loans, savings accounts, and retirement accounts, we have a year worth of funding. Um, mm. And we have a plan to spend that year building up our traffic and building up our advertising and building up um, revenue streams like Subbable to the point where we won't run out of money before we've hit the break-even point. <laughs> Um, and we've also got a couple other things we can, we can do business loan wise that if we're kind of close, um, we're, we're, but, but not quite there, uh, we can lot, or rely on, but, 
uh, definitely we're going to have to hustle as far as getting the, the really good content out there and lots more of it, uh, improved content. Um, and, you know, we definitely could use your support. Every little bit of the Amazon.baldmove.com stuff helps. Every little bit of the subbable. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't have to get to 100% of our funding levels in the first couple months. That's something we expect to be short on and something we hope to, to build on. But it's really, you know, we hope to... We hope to earn your business. Um, and the other thing that Jim and I committed to, because this is another kind of uh, question related to this, is we are committed absolutely to 100% of our content as far as podcasts and that stuff go being free. Yeah. And it's not it's not so much out of a, um, a, a generosity thing, because I feel like if we thought that sl- uh, putting up a pay- pod wall, a pod wall, a <laughs> podcast wall. behind a paywall would pay the bills, we would do it. It's just we think it's counterproductive. Um, sure. We would rather have our podcast keep growing and people be able to share it and people to share it for free and appeal to people that, you know, it's like, hey. Um, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of this. I want to use your Amazon link or I want to uh, tell a friend about it or I want to subscribe to them on Subbable. Yeah, I much... mean, we have been – our whole network is built on word of mouth basically. And once you put that behind a paywall, you cut that off. Exactly. And I feel like you know the, the point you put something behind a paywall is where you say I'm satisfied with what we got and I just want that to slowly shrink away until it dies. Yeah, pretty much. And that is not we are in we are in the expansion business. We're in the empire business. So that is the furthest thing from our mind. And I will say that I would I would stop doing podcasting before I put shit behind paywall because mm-hmm. that's 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 that way it goes to grave. Um. Some people are – the second most common um, – and thank you for everybody that, that wished us well. We we got a lot of people doing that on Facebook and on email oh, yeah. and on Twitter, and it really feels good to know that there are people that that are happy for us. You know, you're always you're always kind of worried that, you know, what people's reaction for something like this is. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice to see so many people happy for us. So thank you for that. Um, second most common question was, are you going to do show X? Where X is damn near anything. Um, We are intent on tripling or more the quantity of shows that we're covering. Um, I like to say that if it's in, if it's in somebody, uh, a mainstream person like Alan Sepinwall or Jane Podniewazek's top 15, we're probably going to do some kind of coverage for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even cause Jim and I are also debating is like, you know, what if there's some shows that, um, even working full time, we don't have, we don't have time to do a full co- podcast treatment. Maybe we do instant casts on, and there might be, especially since man, there's some great television on right now, yeah, like yeah. true detective. We're going to do a wrap up cast on that. The Americans started this week. Um, we might have to just to get things going, do a lot of instant style casts. Until we get fully in the saddle, because we still have a whole mo- another uh, month to go before we're on this full time in earnest, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, but you know, we've already kind of True Detective has slipped past us. Maybe we do um, a catch up on that over the summer. Um, but you know, the Americans have started. There's been a lot of stuff that we haven't quite the Vi- uh, the Viking show oh, um, yeah. on the History Channel has gotten a lot of buzz, and even Alan Seppenwall saying it's really good. I haven't seen any of those. Um, but 
for the rest of this year, if there's a show of note, we're we're going to be covering it. And in 2014 or 2015, absolutely things like Justified coming back, um, and some of these other shows like you know the next season of True Detective is going to be a no brainer. Yeah. Um, we're also got some exciting opportunities. Like I'm going to be doing a season wrap up cast with Susan from the Because Show about the girls on HBO. Uh, if you listened to our general TV cast last year, you know that I was a big fan of that. We're going to do like a you know a special extra long uh, season wrap up for that. Uh, I've got a bunch of female guests lined up to do Orange is the New Black with me when that hits on uh, Netflix. It won't be like marathon House of Cards style, but we're still going to have full coverage of that. So I think you'll be pleased. Uh, please submit um, whatever show, you know, talk about whatever show you'd like to see us cover because that's definitely, you know, first of all, we got to like it and we have to be fans of it. And we, ha- we have to think it's good. But second, if fans are interested in it, you know, more fan interest in the show probably means we're going to be more likely to cover it. Uh, finally, some people are asked because we min- made mention of some subable features that we went to war with because we weren't ready quite technically to fulfill some of those things. Um, we have in mind a $5 option for an ad free podcast experience. Um, you know, that's not super valuable cause we don't have ads that often, but we were hoping that halfway through this year, we'll have ads for all of our podcasts and sponsors. We're going to have, uh, you know, at the lowest level at the $5 level, a, a way for you to opt out of that and use a custom feed where you can go and experience no advertising. In fact, we probably won't even do the pimping section. It will be completely gone. You'll just have just a pure content. Um, so if it's worth that for you, you can sign up for that on subable. And also people asked us about merch. Um, one of the subable reward levels, we're going to have a gift certificate that you can redeem at a merch store that we're working on right now where you can get custom bald move merchandise, including like t-shirts, uh, and you know, all this stuff, coffee mugs, <laughs> bumper stickers, yeah, t-shirts, t-shirts, uh, t-shirts, t-shirts, <laughs> uh, some other stuff. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm actually writing a walking dead book. That's something I have been keeping on the wraps. I just got the first draft done of season one. Um, it's basically a combination of review, uh, a humorous review, and um, a critical review and a survival guide for each episode that I'm going to be selling for like a buck on Amazon. And you can get it at our store as well. Um, and if it goes well, then I'll do season two and so so on. Um, so lots of good, exciting things coming down the pike. Um but I just want to have like a little five minute Q and a on subable, uh, go to subable.com slash bald move. That's S U B B A B L E.com. It's sub with two B's able.com slash bald move. Um, and you can see our pitch there. Uh, we need to record a new video for that, by the way. Yeah, we do. Uh, you can see our kind of our text pitch and all the different reward levels we have right now. And those are the ones we're working on. Also, if you got some ideas for things you'd like to see for rewards, by all means, send it on. Because if it's something within our power to do and it makes people happy, then by God, we want to do it. Sure. Uh, anything that I'm leaving out here, Jim? I don't think so. That was a fairly exhaustive FAQ as far as uh, questions I saw on Twitter. Did you just say fuck you? I said fairly exhausted you FAQ. Tuck that thumb behind your fist, sir, <laughs> if you're flipping me off. Um, so, you know, since we spent so long, I don't want to belabor the point, but, um, we've got, uh, all of our podcasts at Bald Move, uh, not just the television shows, uh, including Tom and Kelly's 
really fantastic work they've done on Downton Abbey, and they've been getting rec- record traffic. Uh, they deserve every bit of it. But also the girls from the uh, the Cause Show, they stylize themselves as an epic thrill ride of a podcast, talking about uh, books and makeup, uh, sex, relationships, all kinds of good stuff. And our boys at the Personal Arrogance, Jesse and Eric, holding out all things beard, board games, pop culture, video games. Um, we like all these people. We actually went to San Diego. We do an annual bypacks meetup where we meet with some of the podcasters and uh, uh, kind of hang out with them for the weekend. We got to meet uh, Amy, Geraldine, and Susan. And we genuinely like everybody that's on our network, and we wish everybody well. Um, and if you like us, it's a good chance you probably like uh, Tom and Kelly and Eric and Jesse and Geraldine and Susan, Susan, Amy. So please go to baldmove.com and check out their show. Um, always appreciate your ratings, reviews, and iTunes. Uh, as always, Amazon.baldmove.com helps out a lot if you're shopping online anyway. And the new hotness, subbable.com, S-U-B-B-A-B-L-E.com slash baldmove. Um, that's, that is the way forward folks. That's how we're going to make the dream happen. So <laughs> thanks in advance for your support. If not, we're dumping moonshine on it and I'm going to burn it to the ground <laughs> <laughs> and totally make up the insurance money. Oh yeah. We'll need it. We need to, we need upper policy coverage for <laughs> our bald, fire damage our, 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 for our bald headquarters. Yep. Uh, so do we have any feedback this we week? We have a shitload of feedback. In all fact, right, the spotlight charity from at, uh, Atlanta, fittingly enough, uh, from the heart of Georgia. Uh, she says the counselor in me has to make a plea for some of the excellent character development we've seen in the latest episode. Yes, the first half seemed a bit cheesy and didn't move things along with the overall plot, at least not tra- traditional sense, but it showed a high class version of Beth, absolutely ill prepared for this world, not living in a reality which is typical for adolescents fantasizing about having some novel experience, which is her for her is going on an adventure to find alcohol. We also see the lowly redneck Daryl made for this world because he has to fend for himself and was traumatized by his father as a child. They are now in a pure survival situation. And though things were desperate, thought things were desperate before there are now no high fives, no spaghetti Wednesdays, no joy whatsoever throughout the golf club. We see a class war that is subtle yet evident Rich bitches and pearls, people who pack their money and jewels rather than family photos, a low-wage caddy, uh, dependent upon the generosity of the upper class to live, Daryl instinctively looting these corpses before taking out each of the wealthy dudes on the wall, as Beth, as a typical teenager, struggles to take a drink when she wanted to risk their lives to try it. Though ill-prepared and laughably delighted with her bright yellow t-shirt and white sweater before it got splattered with brain, she's still here. And come on, guys. We all thought she'd be long gone by now. Uh, underrated point on Beth. She's a survivor. Well, I mean, well, she's been high up on our list of people to, uh, in, in the Death Olympics. I don't know that she's a survivor. She's around people who are survivors. <laughs> she survived the sack of the barn or <laughs> of the barnyard oh. of, the, of, of Herschel's. Uh By the way, I never really thought of Herschel and Beth and Maggie as being privileged people. But if you think about it, they came from a large farm um, with lots of land and a big, nice farmhouse. I bet they did have a lot of money. It's possible, yeah. In comparison to the average person. That's totally possible, yeah. Like hundreds of acres. Sure, big farm. Uh, I'm sure she just had a pony because they had horses and, you know, 
she there was just a pony around. She also had a zombie in a well. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is is that the entire email? No, no, no. Because okay, I, I just was. I want to have a little comment on it. Have a little break. Um, like they said, she survived what seems impossible without some degree of skill. And as we know from episode ten, she's a symbol of hope. And then finally, our full circle evolution on the porch. Beth acknowledges how ridiculous of a fantasy world she is living in because of her previously sheltered life. She says Daryl was made for this and will be the last man standing um, long after she's gone. He says he's just used to it, and Beth's ridiculous hopes and dreams are how it's supposed to be, no matter how out of touch with reality they may be. Um, that rings true to me as well, that it's like they're both mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Like – People's lives are supposed to be pleasant, mm-hmm. and that's what everyone strives for in life, to have a nice life that is full of pleasure and good times. Yeah. And Daryl's is, you know, not a life to strive – you know, that's not a life to, to strive for. You know, you don't <laughs> want to – you don't want to pre-prep for the zombie apocalypse too hard, I don't think. <laughs> exactly. It's unfortunate that Daryl is so well-prepared for this situation. Right. Um he says, uh, don't forget in episode 10, Beth is reading her former hopes and dreams from her journal, but burning the blank pages, leaving no place to write new ones down, i.e. giving up any future hope. Uh, I think burning down the place allowed Daryl to symbolically say goodbye to his past with a cathartic gesture, mm-hmm. figuratively state that he does not want to be the last man standing in this type of world where there's no such thing as joy, escape, or hope. It may be the way it is, but it's not the way it ought to be, and he's not ready to resign himself on giving up, looking for something more. And even if it makes no fucking sense and adds up, uh, ends up killing us, let's burn this place to the fucking ground because it's better to die with some hope than live without it. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. In fact, um, I, I, I think that some of my prejudices with The Walking Dead are interfering with my ability to see some of the symbolism in it. Yeah, this is... Under the surface, a very, very strong episode, I think. Uh, I really feel like it's probably the best episode of the season yet. I don't know. This half season, anyway. After was pretty, I think, was stronger. Um, And again, there's a lot of execution problems here um, (laughs) that we kind of talked about. Sure. I mean, the whole idea that Beth is off on a chase to get a drink, I don't know. But the material uh, underneath it all is pretty strong. And when they needed to nail it, I thought Beth and Daryl both did a very, very good job of portraying their relative angst and Mm -hmm. and what they were bringing to the table. Yeah, and and it seems like a bonding moment for them, obviously. Um, They they now understand each other much better than they did before the episode. And we have some people I know in feedback who will say that this episode did nothing as far as plot goes. Uh, I disagree because I think character development is plot. Yeah, it's it's actually interesting that we got more negative feedback, which I couldn't read all, of course, Mm -hmm. um, on this episode than I think we have in anything, certainly for this season. And it's weird because... We got a lot more people defending um, – oh, shoot. What was it? The second episode? Yeah, I forget. What was that called? I don't know the name. Um, uh, Hitchhikers, no? Inmates. Yeah. <clears throat> we had a lot more people defending inmates, which I thought on the whole was a lot shittier of an episode mm-hmm. that had a lot less things going on for it than this one, which it, it's just kind of interesting to me. And maybe, yeah. maybe it is. It's like The Walking Dead has taught us to see this show at a certain level – that we don't 
choose to dig deeper into it and look at some of the other themes that are going on that they're trying to pr- provide for us. And if that's the case, that's a dangerous spot for them to be in because that's a very <laughs> hard gear for gear for people to shift in, into and out of. Sure, and they need to consistently hit those themes and show us that The Walking Dead is something more than just uh, a plot device, right? Yeah. Uh, if we if they ever want us to change that attitude. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just of the opinion that character development is is moving the story forward. I don't think the story is just how they get from point A to point B. Sure, because that would also bore me. There there are there are two types of people who watch this show. I think the ones looking for that the action, the gore, stuff like that, and the plot. Um, and then there's the people looking for a solid drama. Well, and it's like we even had, uh... but but I'm somewhere in in between those two. I yeah, enjoy yeah. both sides of it. I just want it. I want that mix to be there, and it doesn't feel like it often is. Well, we got some feedback on that too. But I, I'm just reminded of how many people that hated the episode "Fly" from the Breaking Bad. I mean, oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, you either love that episode or you hate that episode. Sure. And I think it says a lot about what you're looking for entertainment, um, depending on where where you lie on that. So yeah. Um, and it's weird too because uh, I feel like Breaking Bad is a lot of people's first experience with with long form, really quality drama television. <laughs> Could be because sure. it's a gate. It's a perfect gateway drug. It had a, enough. If you didn't give a shit about analyzing anything, it had enough mm-hmm. action and interesting things going on to carry you through. And then the like the the, the character moments would was was there for you to appreciate or not. Yeah. And the longer you watched it, the more it was hard. It was hard to not get sucked into that. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it was like the perfect gateway drug for for people. Uh, anything more to say, or are we ready to move on? Nope, let's go ahead and move on. Carolina L from Stockholm, Sweden, uh, says after watching Still, I spot a common theme in the character development this half season. After the fall of the prison, some of the characters seem to be reverting back to a self closer. Really like this take uh, to self closer to the ones they were prior to the zombie apocalypse, specifically Daryl and Michonne. Um, and what's really interesting is. Daryl's reverting back to his outlaw jackass ways, and Michonne's reverting back to her more gregarious open ways. They're moving in opposite directions, but they're still reverting to type. Hmm. Okay, I I don't know that I buy Daryl as going outlaw again. No, no, I mean, that's but that's his tendency, clearly. I think it certainly is, yeah, but that that was influenced by the alcohol this week, I think. But, I mean, him ignoring Beth and being an asshole while he's chowing down on his snake. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> At least uh, Beth wasn't chowing down on his snake. <laughs> Congratulations for making, for, I had for to, being the first to make that I had to obvious do it. pun. Uh, moving on, I like to think that people can do change. However, it's uh, or as Eminem says, only for the worse. Uh, however, it's uh, it is thought that people have a con- constant level of happiness throughout their lives. Um, if you win the lottery, anyone may feel like the happiest person for a while, but soon enough, all that money will do little to change your basic outlook on life. Same is true in case of major negative life effects. This is called the hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaptation, and she gives a link to um, mm-hmm. the Wikipedia about that theory. I think this concept is rather interesting when anticipating how people would react to different situations. It's also key to believable character development. For instance, in Mad Men, the writers seem to have a clear gasp, grasp of this concept. Don Draper may achieve untold success, but he will never be happy. I hope The Walking Dead will continue to explore the influence of hedonic adaptation. I like mm-hmm. the show, but I would like it even more if their personalities were more thoughtfully portrayed. 
Amen. Amen, Carolina. Anything to add to that, Jim? Nope, that was good. Nathan N. from Warrington, Virginia says, I'm a big fan of your podcast. always wanted to get my name mentioned, so I'm hoping that shooting you this message may do the trick. Uh, looks like your knowledge of all things zombie may allow you to ultimately seek employment amongst America's higher education ranks. I can just see it. <laughs> Professor Aaron, Professor, Professor Jim, maybe even Dean Aaron or Dean Jim. Keep on keeping on. And he links an article from the Wall Street Journal about the rise of zombie studies in academia. Did you see that link? I did not see that link. Um, at Walker Stalker Con in Georgia... One of the more fascinating things was a panel of five academics who, no shit, study zombies in pop culture and mythology and lore as their profession. And this article cited a bunch more professors, and part of me wants to call bullshit on this, but mm -hmm. as a guy who's trying to make a living uh, talking about silly things, <laughs> uh, maybe I should not be too quick to, to judge because huh. their basic thesis is... Uh, our mythology, specifically what we see as monsters, is says a surprisingly lot about us as a culture, mm -hmm. and like when and where, like you know when 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 we were preoccupied with UFOs and alien things, what did that say about our culture and our xenophobia? When we were preoccupied with atomic monsters and giant insects and the fear of atomic war, what did that say about us? Mm -hmm. And the rise of zombie culture in the last thirty to forty years. Uh, I think has a lot to say about us as Americans and what we're afraid of and how malleable the zombies are. Like it can be a stand-in for uh, communism. It can be a stand-in for consumer culture. It can be a stand-in for terrorism. Sure. Um, it's It's got a lot of meat on them zombie bones. What do you think, Jim? It does. And from that angle, th that is the only angle from which I don't want to call bullshit. Uh, the idea that it can teach us something about ourselves um, and the possibility, I guess, that someday something like that could be created through some sort of biological agent. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't want to call bullshit too much, but I feel like that's my natural tendency is to just say, why are we studying something that is fictional <laughs> as, as if it were a real thing. Says know? the man with the hour and a half podcast on the walking dead. Sure. But I'm not, I'm not telling people, uh, that they need to study this for a living because it may one day affect us. But you don't think there's, it's helpful? Like, do you, do you don't think it sheds any light ethically? Or no, I, I certainly think it can. That's or... what I'm saying. Like, that one angle makes sense to me. The rest of it does not. If if they have those guys, and I haven't seen the schedule for Walker Stalker Con mm -hmm. um, yet, but if they have that those guys in a similar panel, I would highly encourage people to watch it. It's It it's was fascinating. Yeah, just listening to them talk about it. I won't it. say it's the best thing, but it's certainly the most... Um, unexpected delight that I had at the con. Yeah. Uh, Graham H says, Daryl's failed attempt at getting raw squirrel meat at me thinking, has he been using the same crossbow bolts this entire time? And how many does he have? We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, looks like he had maybe 10 or so. And, and we don't, we don't really know. I yeah. mean, cro but I mean, I don't, again, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe someone can write an email this. Or if not, I'll do some research. I don't know the difference between crossbow bolts and arrows, although I know that there are a difference. Hmm. I, I assume the crossbow bow bolts are heavier, <laughs> shorter, and stouter than 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 arrows. Okay, but you can get six reasonably high quality arrows for like thirty bucks, and 
Maybe that's why he's taking the cash. He's going to go stock up like on arrows again. It looks like he's just using field tips, which are fairly cheap, too. So it's like I, I got like Air Daryl, I think, would just have a shitload of them. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he's got to carry all that stuff around with him. So yeah. I don't know. Does he want to carry 50 arrows if he only need, really needs 10? And again, it know? seems like that's the kind of stuff you could you could build and, and improvise pretty easily, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um Brian W. said, I thought the episode was terrible. No. Had lots of potential. Maybe they could have seen used more survival techniques. Man, I would like to see them use more survival techniques. What, I, hubcaps on a wire is not good enough for you? Stuff that's actually, <laughs> you know, cool. And you know, that's one thing I always harp about in my survival guides, which I apologize. I'm behind on those. Um, my work's response to me quitting has been to just load me up like a fucking mule. Um <laughs> But I should be able to catch up this week. Um, but I, I'm constantly bemoaning the lack of MacGyverism we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's so much room for things like, you know, uh, suppressor uh, suppressors built out of a flashlight, mm-hmm. and you know, improvised barricades and things like that. Um, and they we see a little bit of that show, but I just want to see more. It seems like that's like so easy to do from a prop standpoint. You just cobble some shit together, and the more <laughs> it looks like it's shit cobbled together, the more authentic it's going to look. Yeah, you just Star Wars it, right? And it's like part. It's the easiest way to you, the world build. That's a very good example. That like that's mm-hmm. going to be building your world at a, as a cost effective, cheap way. And I wish they'd do more of it. I even though yeah. I was a little skeptical of a lot of this revival shit we saw at the, the, uh, on <laughs> at this the prison. play here uh-huh. and at the prison, I did like seeing what little we did, like the rain barrels collecting. I mean, that's all good stuff. Yeah, sure. I like it. Um, he said, the big reveal that Daryl was a loser that followed Merle around. Number one, we already knew that. Number two, wow, no surprise, almost an insulting stereotype of what we thought of him. <laughs> Number three, not even a story about him doing something vile that is now he is now ashamed of. Uh, punching someone while watching a cartoon. Um, that's kind of a good point. You know, we've, we've given them maybe too much to do. Uh, what do you think about the fact that Daryl is a loser redneck scumbag as a insulting stereotype of what we thought of him? Um, I'm okay with him being perceived as an insulting stereotype because we know that underneath that's not what he is, right? Right. As an audience. We've seen more of Daryl. And as someone who struggles with some deep-seated, what do you call that? Uh, When when you're just disgusted with yourself. Self-loathing? Self-loathing. Someone Uh some deep-seated self-loathing issues myself. I know no matter how successful you are or how smart you've proven yourself to be or how many people around you love you, when you have a setback, it is so easy to go back into your worthless piece of shit mode. So... To me, that is a realistic depiction of a guy like Daryl who spent probably spent a lot of his formative years having people that were supposed to love and support him telling him he's a piece of shit sure. to go to that dark place. It definitely had that. I mean, look at the story he told about his dad. Um, but – and I, I don't know. It's like I, I feel young, like maybe we needed a bigger revelation. But I don't know what they could do because they've hinted that we know he was abused – that's the we, thing we, I think we, he's we, getting at. They, they've hinted at the fact that he's even been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what could they have said that would have made you sit up and been like, holy shit, he killed – like he killed a dude? 
He raped a girl. I mean, that that's that's some that's some dangerous juju to play with. He tried to invade a prison and then gun down his own people afterward. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, might have done it. Yeah, he he shot some. He shot a survivor while he thought they were a zombie <laughs> when he had no business picking up a gun with a scope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> From on top of an RV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, you know, how big of a scumbag do you want him to be, Brian? Um, but no, it's, I think that his point is that we already knew some of these things yes, about Daryl, and yes. and to rehash them is not interesting. Yes, which I I kind of empathize with that a little bit. Um, Kimberly from New York says these, uh, these are the kind of episodes I like slow and character building. I thought it was pretty brilliant how we learn about Daryl and Beth. How's Beth going to draw a guy like Daryl out while she's been a survivor. She's still a teen or close to it. I know you guys were joking about the walking dead getting in, uh, info through games, but Carl's a kid. And so is Beth. It doesn't seem that far fetched to me. And here's Daryl, the drifter sort of a sort of essentially doing the same types of things he did before the turn. But the circumstances have changed drastically, and what people would have looked down upon uh, in the before, they now look up to. It's all about perspective, right? No, I I don't think it's. I don't think it was unrealistic that Beth would play "Never Have I Ever" with Daryl mm-hmm. for many reasons. Um, I, and I thought maybe that's the point with Michonne is that, yeah, Dar- uh, Carl's too old for this shit. But he's also super interested in Michonne because of how mysterious she's been. So he will go along with some kitty things if he's if he's going to fi- find out some more information about someone that he's really interested in. Yeah, and the, and in that situation, they had the adult playing the game, right? Right, and the kid just playing along. And this is a, a flip of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rusty A said. The search for booze and subsequent drinking scenes accomplished two things. First, it showed that Beth is a woman, not some scary little girl. She's fairly capable, fire starting, few zombie kills. More importantly, she's grown up emotionally. Remember she attempted suicide in season two, then Mm -hmm. showed no emotion where her boyfriend was killed. This episode was just as much about establishing her as a main character and as a compliment to Daryl. Second, as mentioned earlier, this episode gave us a deeper insight into Daryl. More so than any previous episode, even the episodes in which Daryl killed Merle. Yeah. I don't know about that, but I do think it's a progression. What do you sure. think, Jim? Um, I, I think it gave us more info about Daryl, whereas the death of Merle gave us more info about their relationship. Anything else to uh, add? Uh, no. Beth has grown up a lot because, God damn, I forgot. When she committed <laughs> suicide, that was a low point of the show. Oh, yeah. When she when she committed suicide, she, <laughs> she actually came back as a zombie. She's the first of the daywalker types that uh, uh, reanimate but still have all their memories. Um, still writing diaries. Still writing shitty diaries. Still singing shitty songs. <laughs> um, I agree that she again. That is one of the minor miracles, and why I haven't. You know, people ask me why do you watch Walking Dead. Well, because they've turned turd characters like. Carol and and Beth into people that I genuinely care about. So yeah, that's 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 pretty much why um, they're doing some things right. Um, Ryan H said, "You guys often comment about the show being too on the nose or ham handed, bacon gauntleted when it comes to character development or pot plot. And although it is definitely more of a treadmill or procedural ep, like you noted, it's also filled with quite a few trust of viewer subtleties that I thought were nice to see from a writers for a change based on a lot of feedback I've seen or heard, whether this episode sucked or was redeemable. 
seems to be based on your appreciation of subtleties and or quote unquote thinking man's TV. Well, well, sound like an elitist there, Ryan H. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I'm going to have to hang him. Like a Breaking Bad or a Sherlock, I listened to the Walker Stalker's instant take and some... What the fuck are you doing listening to anybody but us? <laughs> Jesus Christ, this email is going bad to worse. <laughs> Elitist, now he's, he's shacking up with these commenters. Um, anyway, some of their listeners highlighted this divide. One really liked the app for what the way they used their environment to communicate a lot on the development front. Another listener who hated the show said she didn't watch The Walking Dead to engage that part of her brain. She watches to say, oh, shit, during the show, not, oh, cool, later. Yep. What say ye? Do you think part of the pro- writer's problem stem from them trying to cater to both audiences? Is this even possible? Which side do you each fall on? Jim, you take your, your first take. Uh, I take, think it's take. I think it is possible. I think it's been done in Breaking Bad uh, to to great effect. And they're, they're just not doing it as well here. I, I feel like it certainly can be done. We've talked about it. We talked about it this episode, how it can be done. Yeah. Do you think that it's a true statement that they need to agree on who their primary audience is and cater to that because this kind of going – it seems like there's always a polarizing – a few polarizing episodes a season where the people that are just there to watch zombies fuck shit up and, you know, look at good-looking men and women and, you know, occasionally root for zombies to eat people – are, are in conflict about an episode with people that are wanting to see character development and some pathos. Yeah, this goes into the article you wrote about uh, why The Walking Dead should be better or whatever whatever you called it. Right. Um, why isn't The Walking Dead better, I think? Why isn't The Walking Dead better? Uh, they They probably could focus on one of them and capture that audience to some sort of totality, but... I, I don't feel like that's necessary to do. I feel like a show like Breaking Bad, if it had had... You know the the numbers in the beginning that this did, it would be just as big. Hmm. I don't I don't know that you necessarily have to. And yet, Breaking Bad at its height was only six million people watching it. It got off to a very slow start. Like it didn't have the advertising push that this had by any means. It was True. all word of mouth. True. Uh, and, and it may not have been as interesting of a genre to people. I don't know. There's something to be said, I think, for the theory that AMC is deliberately making a middle-of-the-road product to appeal to as broad a people as possible, and that is what is going to keep it from achieving the height, the highest of the highs. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can, it can get there occasionally, but its purpose in life is to be kind of a procedural type of anthology or a, a procedural type of uh, serial television that – you don't have to watch too close. You don't have to tune in every episode, but you know you're you know you're always going to see something interesting and something a little spooky and scary yeah. and a little titillating, and that's what's going to draw the 15 million people in week after week. Yeah, and it seems to be working. Yeah, um, I mean, so I, you can't argue that this is a bad show based on ratings by any means. Right on. Uh. Good email there, Orion. Corey L. says, ah, the classic AMC bottle episode. I absolutely loved it. Much like Breaking Bad's Fly and Mad Men's Suitcase, this episode sucked me in. It's the same formula. Two opposing people in a tense relationship are held up in a location for a night. Backward shack slash ad agency slash meth super lab. Some fun in moments ensue. The characters fight, and eventually one gets too inebriated or on drugs or on alcohol and spirals into a state of emotional catharsis. The characters then emerge from with a better understanding of each other. In other words, on average Tuesday night at Bald Move headquarters, 
Especially, man, I don't know why, but it's probably because I didn't have anything to eat before I came over here. But this beer is kicking my ass. <laughs> I am. I had two beers, folks. Just, but they were strong beers, but I am a little slurry, um, mm-hmm. little little chop slurry. It's peeing in the corner of my room now. <laughs> <laughs> what would you know about it, Jim? I had a pony. Your fucking pony growing up. <laughs> fucking pinball machines in the basement. Um, one last thing. I appreciate the writer's restraint on making death, making death and Beryl. Making <laughs> Beth and Daryl have a sexual relationship. Uh, that would have felt forced to me. However, they don't hook up. Michonne and Rick must. Okay. I can get behind that. Carl needs a new mom anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could ship. I could ship Michonne and Rick. Why not? Sure. I could actually, I could get behind like Beth. I could ship Michonne in a mirror. Beth and Daryl like next season maybe. Beth and Daryl? How old is Beth? I have to establish that. She's got to be going on eighteen now. Got to be. I feel like she's she was out of high school though, and and I just don't know because they portrayed her as like a thirteen year old and as a twenty two year old. (laughs) I don't I don't I don't know how old. If I see her, uh, if I see her name's Allison, right? Uh, the actress? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, if I see her at Walker Stalker Con, I'm going to be like, how the fuck old are you? Okay. Because I need to know whether it's creepy if you and Daryl get it on. Emily. <laughs> Emily Kinney. And that will probably creep her out. So maybe I won't. Maybe. Yeah, don't maybe do that. don't let me do that. No, no, no. How old are you, by how, the way? How about if I just IMDB Are you legal? It? How about if I just IMDB it? Some, no, 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 sometime. no. I, I mean your character. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Oh, Jesus. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's, let's, let's hastily move on, please. Mel H from Australia. I said, I stick by my idea that Beth should have revealed a minor, but untreatable wound that will kill her in a few days at the end of the episode and explain the mm. sudden urge for the awkward booze run. Having reminded the audience in the dialogue of the Sophia moments, we would have mirrored this again with Beth and we'd all have a, a side of collective off. Fuck. Daryl having to put her down eventually would have bring him back to rock bottom, but then we get time on The Walking Dead of a solo character in the woods of the zombie apocalypse. Now that is scary and exciting. <laughs> I worked briefly as a storyboard artist and believe that the writers are working in vain to please both the TV drama fans of the show and the graphic novel fans. Hmm. This foot yeah. in both camps approach doesn't work so well, and the leg divide is causing some Van Damme style ball spraying. <laughs> the show sometimes seems to be cut in a way that was removed. Uh, the tweens and joining shots that make it possible to see how an actor has got from one area to another. Like you do in a comic, you can allow the reader some grace to let their imagination work on how shit happened. Same with character motivations. But on television, we need to be led a little bit more because we have sound and visuals combined and this is a journey. No one wants to be filling in blanks while watching a show. We need to be told a story with completeness. There can be riddles, questions, and metaphors, but in the space of an hour, you can either do too little and confuse the fuck out of people and leave gaping holes everywhere, or you can treat the audience like they're a bunch of idiots. The Walking Dead does both of these, sometimes in the same episode. I reckon an audience will suspend disbelief when it comes to supernatural elements, as long as the universe is consistent. But you can't fuck up with things people know and can empathize with, like how they'd react, what's smart and what's dumb. The Walking Dead has too many holes in both of these areas. You should never be able to find inconsistencies in a universe that someone else created as they have charts and guidelines. I.e., I think I'm... I mean, I think I saw the governor punch a walker in the mouth once. What the fuck? Didn't he have to cut off his hands afterwards? 
Your hardcore binge drama fans have probably come off the back of watching Breaking Bad like me, where you're watching in the mindset of what would I do in these situations? Monologues, characters, or happenings from the comic is irrelevant to me. But alas, to ring truth to the source material, certain things need to happen for those fans too. And in a way, the world belonged to them first. I think that last point is really strong. And I think that is another type of person. Because the type of person who watches like a Walter White and a Skylar White and a Jesse Pinkman and think, man, if I was in that situation, mm-hmm. what would I do? And they start to identify with the characters. And when the characters do things smart yeah. and the the viewer is able to follow along with that, it makes them feel smart and powerful too. Yeah. And there's the others that are just kind of like sit back and watch. And I feel like I'm different people in different shows. Like Mad Men, I'm more of a sit back and watch. I don't care. I'm just waiting for this to wash over me. Sure. Uh, Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, I much more am like, what would I do? Uh, Yeah. and, And I am kind of like find myself putting myself as a proxy for some of the main characters. And that's a frustrating in a show like Walking sure. Dead when you've got a main character like Tyrese who you really want to like and he does something stupid. Um, mm. What do you think? That Melding all those concepts together that makes a lot of sense because if you're going to put yourself in the, the boots of these people, uh, at least Rick anyway, um, you're going to want to have him be smarter than you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to say, oh, well, if I was in that situation, that's the dumbest thing I possibly could have done when Rick does something. Right. You want him to say, oh, I didn't think of that. That's a really smart thing. Right. But at the same time, you get – you. there's a very big audience for the show, and I feel like AMC is not giving them enough credit as to how smart they might be. Sure. Sometimes. Um, and so they kind of dumb things down a little bit, and – that makes the show suffer for people who really are interested in putting themselves in the show like that. And and the zombie genre is tailored for that. I mean, yeah. that's the idea. That's how zombie, how zombies became so popular is people saying, what would I do in that scenario? Right. Because it's such an interesting scenario. And so when you put yourself in there and characters do dumb things, you get disappointed. Yeah. And again, I think, it's not overstating that AMC is trying to do things because I, I more and more, the more I research this and the more I'm looking at writers and directors and the episodes that work and the episodes that don't, I'm starting to think that this is just a result of AMC being cheap. They're not, they're in, they're mm-hmm. intentionally not high, spending the money on people that have the experience. I, I'm like, there's some of these young writers and directors. They're going <laughs> to go on to do really, really good work. Sure, but they're just try. This is a this is a lab for them. They're experimenting, and I feel like that with 50 million people watching, it's a lot of people to experiment on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, he said. Uh, also, he's got a PS in here. Um, uh, old Mel from uh, Australia. Have you guys thought of reviewing the Amazon pilot season trailers on your site and giving a link to them via your Bald Move Amazon link so others can check them out too? They might stick about and shop when they are there. Then you have people going to Amazon using their bald move account. Plus, you're doing them in a way that ties in with your critical review ethos. <laughs> well, that's a very good idea. That's a hell of an idea. <laughs> we might steal that. Yeah. That would be something. I, Plus, I'm interested in the Amazon originals. And that's an, just like the Netflix series, I think they could be big. You know? It's interesting because there's another thing that guys like Feinberg and Seppenwalls tend to turn their nose up at. Really? Yeah, I feel like... Just the concept of online television? Yeah, well, 
I don't think they do shows? it consciously, but it's something I talked with Eric about this weekend. Um, I feel like that they subconsciously, reflexively don't like things that threaten their business model. Okay. Like we well, see, that's too bad. <laughs> I know, but 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 we see like something like a game, uh, House of Cards coming out in a single weekend. Like fuck, that's a huge opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we see things like Amazon or stuff like Amazon, uh, uh, you know, uh, pitching trailers and letting us pick the ones we want to develop. Uh-huh. We're like, that is a really democratic thing. That's 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 something I could really get on board with. That's like the internet making television sure absolutely. but i feel like those guys they you know because that shit isn't part of their um critics tour that mm-hmm. they get invited to and wine and dine every year and that's not something they get screeners for that they can enjoy at their at their leisure and have weeks to think of it's it's yeah. harder for them to cover and they don't get it and it's not something they're doing consciously and they don't hate all of it because obviously they were huge fans of like Orange is the New Black. Yet they didn't write a lot about it either. It's more like generic. Like it was a really good show. Yeah. Um. But you know, great because there's people like us that can go in there and pick up the slack because we don't have the advantages that they have with the network television and sure. the cable television. And it's going to change regardless. I mean, look at the music industry. Yeah. You know that is the perfect example of what television is starting to do now and if you don't change with it you're done you're done you're done speaking of done we're done with feedback we've got some some spoilers to talk about if you'd like to contribute to our feedback and we had some really good ones this week do so at watching dead at baldmove.com send in your thoughts every week you can also follow us on on facebook.com slash baldmove and twitter.com at baldmove that's all i got All right. Well, then uh, we will see you guys next week right after the episode for another instant cast. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See you next week. back with the spoiler section what do we have this week dave g said regarding the hunters if you're calling the comic rick's arm gets cut off by the governor which really inhibits his abilities also herschel gets eaten by the hunters in the comic so i was thinking that maybe since there is no herschel or dale who both seem like they would have been prime candidates to be <laughs> uh cannibalized maybe rick gets captured and the hunters cut off his arm and eat it oh this would be a crazy twist with the Hunters, would solve the issue of Rick needing a major injury, and would be a stunner to both the casual TV fan and the diehard comic fans. Thoughts? It would not, however, jive with what Kirkman has said. That was right? my thought exactly. Kirkman yeah. says his biggest regret in all of Walking Dead history was that he uh, maimed Rick. And yeah. that was such a huge shortcoming from a major character, and it's... Um, cause him all kinds of problems. So if he does it again, then he's just saying, like, fuck it, I'm going for the highest degree of difficulty. Yeah. I don't know if I totally agree with the idea that that's such a bad idea uh, and that he should regret it that much because those kinds of restrictions sometimes breed creativity that you wouldn't get without them, right? I suppose, but when you got a man living in the zombie apocalypse and he literally loses his right arm. His gun arm, yeah. Um, that, and he can't punch anymore, and he can't hold a gun. I mean, it <laughs> it, it does make things 
harder narrative. Sure. And then you just got to get creative. I don't know. I agree, and I don't. I honestly, I'm. I was surprised to hear him say that because I don't ever think, oh man, since Rick lost his arm, he's so much less of a badass. Yeah. Or I really wish the story had taken a different turn with Rick not losing his arm. Right. But that's what he says, and so I, yeah, I'm he'll probably really, stick by that. We're halfway through this season, y'all, and I, I'm starting to really feel the sneaking suspicion that they're just not going to do the Hunter storyline. Uh, that they don't feel like they can do uh, justice to a cannibal plot in AMC. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe they'll just put out a few, like the last half of this half season on HBO, and we can get it. <laughs> webisodes. <laughs> or webisodes would couple be sweet, of, yeah. A couple hundred uh, webisodes on the off season. I could get behind that. Like That'd be real six, cool. Six, six, ten to fifteen minute webisodes directed and uh, produced by um, the zombie master himself. Nicotero. Greg Nicotero, yep. Adam M. says, I have a theory. All roads seem to be pointing to the survivors going to Alexandria or the ter- Terminus by mm-hmm. the end of the season and maybe even meet Negan. What I was thinking is that maybe they can do the Hunters and Alexander at the same time. If Kirkman wants to get through his comic material, then instead of having that one bald dude who is leading the safe zone, Duncan or Douglas or someone like that, turn out to be a little crazy, they have the safe zone run by cannibals. One of our group <laughs> members gets farmed for meat, and then the entire group finds out and slaughters them, etc. Or if you mm-hmm. really want to get crazy, Negan is the head of the cannibals, comes back from the savior camp, which is revealed to be controlling Alexandria, and sees his cannibalistic psycho leaders ripped apart, leading him to beat Glenn to death. Then he heads off to mark the beginning of his and the Hilltops plotline. Just seems like they're blowing through material quickly on purpose, so maybe this is something they could try. Please respond either... Well, I already took care of that. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, kind of mesh all these uh, separate plots together. Would you find that interesting? I haven't read that part in the comics, so or those parts. I'm super disappointed that they're not doing Hunters, and it it would be yeah. the perfect way to close. I mean, I if if Negan comes in this season, it's way th- in my in my mind, it's way too soon, and they're wasting a lot of good comic material. But again. Mm-hmm. Fucking Kirkman, that might be his goal. <laughs> and yeah. who's to say, if I was a comic book author and I'd written 120 comic books and I'm executive producer on this pot, this show and I'm an executive producer on another show that's going to be as parallel universe, I might want to get clear of this comic book shit too. Yeah. And start blazing new trails just because it's not, you know, we do, we do things to shake up the podcast sometimes because it gets boring and stale for us. Well, what he ought to do is just move over to this new spinoff. Tell tell an entirely yes, new story like over there here, and let them run yeah, the Walking here's the, Dead. Here's the re- here's the next sixty issues of comics, and I'm going to be getting another twelve to eighteen a year. Yeah, ride it as long as you can. Yeah, I don't know why that would be a great idea. Then he could go and get his creative fulfillment, and we can also have the Walking Dead show be faithful to the comics, like we like. I suspect would would be better. Well, what I, mean, I don't know is if AMC feels like that they can. <clears throat> do all of those storylines justice. You might be right about that. I, I feel like we're also putting some motivation on Kirkman that he may not have even, right? Uh, I just, the I just, idea that he's fed up, he's he's grown tired of his own material may not be the case. No, it just makes sense in, in lieu of him just fucking <laughs> up the adaptation for shits and giggles. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um... Uh, did we talk about the Washington D.C. spoon? Is there any feedback in 
No, there's the spoiler nothing, section about nothing that mentioned. That, okay, what do you know about this? Well, I mean, that's that's where you know that's where uh, a fucking Doctor Mullet wants to be going. Uh-huh. That's where the Alexander Safe Zone is found in the comics. It could just be an homage. Yeah. Kind of like the Cynthia Georgia the... seal that mm-hmm. nobody but a comic book fan would know that it's a nod to the comic books. Uh-huh. So, the, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Cause I surely... You don't think that in any way leads Daryl and Beth to Washington, D.C., right? A spoon that she happens to pick up. I don't know, man, because it just seems like they're stuck in Georgia. Yeah. It just seemed like a nod to me to comic I'm, book I'm, fans. Like, they're in Georgia and they're heading east, mm-hmm. and they have to go back... You know, 120 miles or 180 miles or whatever, the opposite direction back west. Uh huh. I just don't think they're ever, I mean, I don't think this terminus place can be in Washington. Yeah. And I don't think they'll ever get to Washington because they get way too much money from the state of Georgia to film in Georgia. <laughs> All right. Well, and we'll they're, see. And, they they're, and, and they're proud of that, too. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Andrea C. says, Beth's mission for booze was one I could get behind if there was just another dead girl <laughs> reduced to trying to survive in a camp made of scavenged car parts. I've been working on my bucket list, too. At least she gets herself sets herself an achievable goal. Prediction, Beth and Daryl will encounter Rick's bad guys and be forced to join them to avoid being cured, killed. I wasn't sure why Daryl was taking the cash and jewelry, but maybe it's foreshadowing him joining the looters until they can both get away. Will give us a window on these two new antagonists and allow the rest of the group to reform with Abraham or Tyrese taking Daryl's place as Rick's second. Gee, Andrew, seems like I should have I could have read that in the main yeah that's main feedback section. <laughs> Where are the spoilers? Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. sometimes it's it's more of a of it's going to be art worse science if she doesn't listen to the spoilers section. Oh, She'll well. think you didn't read it at all. I'm I apologize. What? Because <laughs> I I got this thing where I try to edit the feedback without looking at it too closely. Oh, so you can be surprised a little bit. A by little that. bit. Yeah. I mean, it's like people are like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But I've got this. I, I've got this ability to like, <laughs> uh, you know, like speed read through and just get the gist and and know whether it's spoiler or not, and and edit the you know the the stuff that won't fit into it, mm-hmm. but still remain you know the the, the nitty gritty and the details and the individual jokes and whatever they make they still catch me as a surprise. Yeah, that's a it's something I've honed for a while. Finely crafted podcasting skill. Yeah, that you really it, it's useful. It's useless in every other aspect of life. <laughs> um, Tyler P says you're going to be the last man standing. Says Beth in the most recent episode. That's quite a lot of speculation going around right now that Beth's not going to make it. She said herself she's not she's going to be gone someday. While I can certainly see that viewpoint, I personally think this episode opens the possibility. For Daryl's death more than anything, Beth essentially says that Daryl is built for the world and that he's going to survive when everyone else is dead, but maybe that's exactly why the writers will want to kill him off, to send a message to the viewer that despite how capable of a survivor you are, despite Hmm. all the skills you may possess, you can still die horribly. Comic readers all know that Negan, and we all know the first thing he does is kill an original and beloved member. Oh, shit. I see where this is going. (laughs) See, perfect example. Uh Uh-huh. Fucking didn't see this one coming. (laughs) Uh, beloved member of the group. Instead of killing Glenn as in the comics, I think Daryl will die in the show and that it's the better choice too. Hmm. The comic Negan's introduction was the first real dilemma that they were, they were well and truly fucked. And if they tried fighting back, they would all have died. They were completely helpless. They couldn't do anything. They knew it. And most of all, Negan and his saviors knew it too. 
Which brings me unto the death itself. Assuming he does die, I really hope he doesn't get this golden death where he goes out like a hero, sacrificing himself to save someone all cliche-like. I think his death should be brutal and actually be used to capitalize on future story elements that follow his death. Mm-hmm. Not to be at the end of the show where it won't be capitalizing on little of anything story-related at all. As I said, I think the writer should illustrate that even the most capable survivor with the most variety of skills, definitely Daryl thus far, can still die horribly, not have him go out as this hero guy like mm-hmm. he usually is, but have him at someone's mercy for the truly the first time. Something even the great Daryl Dixon cannot escape. Not only would that be awesome... Uh, as a death for him, but it also served the story in such a fantastic way. How do you leave one of the strongest first impressions ever? How do you top the governor right from the start? By having the next supervillain kill the fan favorite and thus setting up the next story arc. The writers have said on multiple <laughs> occasions that they want to do to Negan and that, or what they want to, that they want to do Negan. And in that case, there's no way this scene won't be incorporated into the storyline. Careful saying that though, man, because uh, the writing, the Walking Dead writers will get a hold of it and be like, "Fuck <laughs> you, spite you, fuck you, Tyler." Suggesting we can't <laughs> sh- fucking shit all over a storyline. You know the balls it would take to kill off Daryl in a unceremonious fashion, like just a guy, random guy coming up and pulling him out of a crowd, beating him to death with a baseball bat, say, or or not giving him a heroic ending at. at at the very least, I'm telling you, I I liked her, uh, like I not an Axel level death. Yeah, but, no, but something that just doesn't leave him as a hero in any way. No, I, I the balls. I'm, I'm feeling Tyler really strongly in a way that this feels right, which is probably why uh-huh. it won't happen. And it would set up Negan as a huge badass if he were the one to take him out. Yep. Uh, how do you top the government from the start, as Tyler says, by having the next supervillain kill the fan favorite and thus setting up the next epic yeah. story arc? Whew. I don't know. That would be rough both to watch and uh, to talk about on the podcast the next day. But like you said, like that would instantly make Negan the most despised mm-hmm. villain ever. They'll be craving for blood. Yep. They'll be talking endlessly about what's going to happen next season, <laughs> how Rick's going to come back. Yeah, um, it would set Rick up to be more of a hero for sure. Yeah, I mean, if if you subscribe to my theory that he's dead next season, that would not be a bad way to go out. Sure. Well, I mean, that would be a terrible way to go out, which would be <laughs> but, yeah. which would be good for the show. Hmm. All right, any other emails we have to go through? No, nope. at all. That's okay. It. Then that's the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Yep. See you then.